Hello and welcome to Real History. Today's episode is going to be a little different from previous episodes in the series that we've recorded and you may have heard on bunkerzilla.co.uk in that it's very, very much not a sort of film you'd say, oh, is that a history film? But thanks to my co-host Jenna... Hi. Making this choice and convincing me to watch what has turned out yet again to be a fantastic film. Um, we have, and I'm Hugh David, by the way, and we, the pair of us have decided we're going to talk about 2005's film Kinky Boots. And surprisingly, try and link it into to a bit of Black History as well. Well, yes, we're recording this episode and hopefully putting it out on air during Black History Month in the UK. And this is a choice you suggested because we've covered two American films so far mm-hmm. for Black History Month. We've covered Glory and Hidden Figures. And this is the third film we're covering for the month. And I am really, really glad you suggested it. I think it's, uh, for a start, the fact that it's recent doesn't change the fact that the source for the story, the, the true story that inspired the film, is from the late 90s, and there is very much a sense of a particular period of historical Britain that you and I both lived through when we were yes. younger, but which nevertheless now is firmly in the historical record at this point. We're yeah. 2019 when we record this, so we're looking at 20 years ago. I think mm-hmm. that's a fair cut-off point. Most historians, I think, would accept that as reasonable. Yeah. Um, and Just also, say, uh, there are on. arguments of what, how long ago is history. Those, those were so, happening even when I was at school. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the fact of some people regard 9-11 as history now um, is argued about. And I'm like, yeah, that is history. It's a very pivotal event. <laughs> it seems so. silly to wait another two years to be able to say, oh, that was 20 years ago. Now we can talk about it. Yeah. But I, but I also think that the, the the line that was drawn by the historians who taught me at school was the line between journalism mm. and history, and I think that's quite important as well. I think at what point have we moved through the recording of events and the recording of memories of events to the point where a an intellectual analysis can be made of a wide variety of sources stepping back from them without a personal stake in it. Yeah. I I think that's part of how you argue the definition. But I think Kinky Boots is small scale enough. It's much more in keeping with the idea of local history. Yes. Uh, And it's also your your reason for selecting it for... uh, Well, we'll come to your reason for selecting it for Black History Month in a minute. Let's give people Mm -hmm. a quick summary of what the film's about. just need to give correct credit and it was actually my husband who suggested this even better fantastic yes, so. thank you jack yes. great film <laughs> uh, so um yeah so and i'm uh, so what makes so the film itself is based on an episode of a british documentary series on t- a television documentary series from the late 90s called trouble at the top yeah. which was a documentary series that looked at situations where companies were in trouble and how they dealt with it yeah. uh, which is you know, a form of journalism, but obviously now becomes part of the historical record. And this was a tough economic time in Britain, even though there had been a yes. boom in the mid-90s. But as we came towards the end of the 90s, there was a slowdown, there was a crash in some parts of the world. Things were not great for certain 
businesses and industries and this film looks at the town of Northampton which is not far from where I live mm-hmm. and you and I have both been to because conven- a number of conve- anime conventions have happened there before yes. in the past. Um, I will say my first ever proper anime convention was uh, me t- taking my mum to Aya at uh, Northampton. There so, you go. Um, and this I tiny, believe... tiny baby 13 year old going what's going on and my mum going I'm dropping you off I'm going shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she got that bit right. (laughs) Sometimes that's the best thing to do during a con is go shopping. (laughs) But not I. I was always good fun. I liked it. Um, Yes. uh, So, so, you know, you and I have some passing familiarity with the town itself. Uh, One of the things I thought was interesting about the film is the film doesn't always film in the town. No. It very much is a classic piece of filmmaking trickery where they piece together the locations based on where they could afford to go what they could find and what looked the way they wanted it to look for the film and so it's not and I think that's part of the reason your husband recommended it because his hometown is in there as well (laughs) Um, he forgot about that actually (laughs) oh did he okay so collecting on sea features in there as well Um, I believe the if memory serves, the inside of the factory itself is actually uh, filmed elsewhere. Yeah. Um, it's an old-style shoe factory. Oh, very... No, no, it's an authentic shoe factory that was actually in use at the time, and they had to ask the company if it, they could stop production for mm. three days to use it. So they actually... all these. So this, this company had to actually consider the financial consequence... Yeah. And I had to say because at the time it was actually one of the it was a a boot company that was a shoe company that was doing very very well, mm. and they um they, they, it was you know all the staff and everything were working there and so they had to go oh yeah no uh, we'd love to shoot here but they were like well that means we're gonna have to send everyone home for three days. Well, actually, <laughs> apparently a load of the staff appeared as extras. Well, 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 this is where it gets complicated. So. It's not just the staff of the actual shoe factory. It's staff. My understanding is it's staff from the shoe factory that the story is based on. Yes, there was a mixture. Yeah, uh, as well as the actors. So I think that was interesting. Um, but you know, they used. But but, ne- but nevertheless, there's still a great deal of Northamptonshire in the locations. They filmed in yes. Northampton, Earls Barton, Wellingborough, which which they used for the railway station. Um, then they also shot in London, which I believe is where the factory was. Yeah. Um, Clacton for the uh, seaside <laughs> promenade shot. I can say that is the actual pier because you've I been live, there. Well, I lived there for a year. You did absolutely yes. right. Um, and then there's Ealing, they used parts of Ealing Studios, uh, and they also went to Milan. They act, it's actually Milan at the end. Yes. <laughs> which I thought was quite cool because I do like it when films actually shoot on location. So it's a, so what is the film about? It's about a company that was having financial trouble. In fact, Northampton was a centre of excellence for shoes and boots for, uh, in Britain. Historically, yes. massively important um, industry and trade in that area. And I think, uh, oh, uh, I think it's important to note a lot in British history especially that cities and towns became centres of excellence for certain products. Yes. So, like, Northampton was shoes. Yes. Uh, Manchester, I would say cotton. Oh, like absolutely. cotton. Oh, um, it's not just cotton. It's not, did you, did I t- I'm sure I've told you this before, but when I was in Australia, I discovered that they call cotton goods Manchester. Ah. If you go into a department store, there will be a sign saying Manchester, not saying cotton goods. Hmm, that's cool. 
It is. It's very interesting. So they, they they absolutely remember. We I actually went to a a, a wool factory there for because me being me, I was quite happy to see an industrial revolution based factory. Yes. Um And they, it was discussing the whole business of wool and cotton and trade and its connection mm. to it. But yeah, no. If in Australia, if you go into a department store and you say, uh, where, you know, "Where's the Manchester?" They'll point you towards the sheets, sheets and pillowcases and things. Yeah, that's interesting. I've it's... never thought of someone. Manchester. No, no, I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yeah, so Manchester was cotton, um, and then, of course, uh, where I live in High Wycombe is famous for uh, wood and uh, carpentry and fa- and um, furniture, furniture uh, making. And Cheltenham's just famous for being posh. <laughs> so all of these places have, uh, uh, have Industrial Revolution uh, significant... significant from the Industrial Revolution, whether or not they had significance before it is a, is a different question. But this is this passes us into the 20th century and into mm. something like Kinky Boots, where we're looking at the passing of these trades because yes. of economics. And so the film begins with a recognition in the dialogue that other shoe companies are either going under or having to pivot to uh, niche markets. Like uh, pivoting to uh, riding boots only, for example, or yeah. something like that, something specialised. Actually, really clever bit of graffiti in the background that he walks, the main character walks past saying, Save our souls, but as yeah. in shoes souls, which yes. I, I just I'd, like that little bit. So. I'd love to know if that was authentic, authentic local graffiti or if yeah. that was added by the art department because it's brilliant. I mean, so so what the film is about is that the, the actual, sh- the, the company, the, uh, an actual real life company. Uh, the owner, Stephen Paintman, um, got into a conversation with someone. No relation. Uh, true. <laughs> no relation to yourself. Good point. Got into a conversation with, and we're using the terminology of the time, not necessarily now. Got into a conversation with some transvestite men about the fact that at the time, if you were a man physically in terms of build and size and stuff, wanting to dress in women's clothing, you had a lot of problems because most of the women's clothing was not designed to fit or support the male physique. No, or and hev- even heavier women as well. That is true. It's something and that isn't brought up, but it's those a are co- shoes that I could wear. So yes, and so the they this company decided to pivot towards in this case the they decided to pivot towards making boots specifically and and, and shoes designed for transvestite men to wear so drag acts as well i mean the, the film makes specifically clear that it's both drag and transvestite and who they are targeting now in the film version there's a number of things they change uh, with the permission of the original company owners who were advisors to this film throughout although as they say they've said before in articles yeah they sold the rights to the story so it's not like they had that much control but they were still consultants and consultants all the way through and one of the things yeah. that they said was yeah so the original company was called wj Brooks Limited, yes, that was in Earl's Barton, and they created the Divine brand. Mm. That was the name of their brand for for the for uh, the footwear that they were creating. Which is uh, a perfect name. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> and Steve Steve Payton himself in the documentary on the DVD seemed is, is, you know very 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 pleasant, very kind of interesting guy. Um, you and, and you can see how he someone like him would be more open minded to the idea of saying, well, let's pivot to something like this. The film is beautifully put together it addresses it's it's a classically there was a run of english films at this time um 
that started with um, uh, the Full Monty, and then you have mm-hmm. Calendar Girls and Brassed Off, and 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 the series of films, and and, and this is this, funnily enough, is from um, uh, makers of uh, Calendar Girls, Kinky Boots, yes. is actually. Oh no! But there was a a, 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 a a series of films that did very well financially, where they looked, where, where where we saw parts of Britain that were normally seen on television, not on film, yeah, as much. Although occasionally some of them being on film, and we started to see ordinary people's lives dramatized and um, made entertaining in interesting ways. And it was a really good time for British cinema. You know, we we we, we there were the you could find a film in which you could point it and go, oh, I know where that was shot, or I know that person, or I know someone like that person. Yes. You know, this is, as you say, this is 2005. For me, it was a couple of years earlier with Bend It Like Beckham, which was oh. the first first time I saw things from my own personal experience growing up in mm. England on film. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and Kinky Boots, I think, fits really nicely into that series of films i think it's incredibly well made very well polished if you'll pardon the pun (laughs) 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 Uh, it's it's superbly cast um and i like the way it addresses several issues one of which and this is uh, you're going to tell us about which is why we've chosen it for black history month Mm mm-hmm so Um, if you want to fill us in please yes uh so the main reason that so my husband suggested it and then I went, oh my God, like Bob, that's an amazing idea because I'd never really thought of it like that. And it is sort of classed as a historical film. But the reason I chose it is because, one, I wanted us to do something British because it is Black History Month, but it is British Black History Month. So it was important to raise something that was British before we end our... A little series here mm-hmm. also it's a black character that we don't see very often which is the oh, he's not gay he just says he's straight i think at one point yes but, oh very yeah. clearly the the dance he has with um the character who's played by uh sarah jane potts um, is rife with sexual tension. Yes. Uh, and because it's it, because of who's cast as as as, as the black trans, it's it, 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 uh, it shouldn't be a surprise because it's it's our gorgeous Chiwetel Ejiofor, yes. who's just gorgeous. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, he's just a good-looking guy. <laughs> yes. And he is a drag queen. Um, he isn't transgendered, but no. He does use she pronouns quite often. Um, I think it's it's very RuPaul's Drag Race. I think would be yes. a good sort of example. Where very much so. They're men that don't live their lives mostly as women. They do yeah. the acts. They do. They're comfortable enough to go out in public dressed like that, mm. but they their normal home lives most of it will be dressed uh put in abbreviated commas to their gender mm-hmm. um i think this was the f- first film because it came out when i was about 15 16 so i was still in secondary school where i really came across these sort of issues mm-hmm. um i have known i'm bisexual for a very long time mm-hmm. um although didn't quite have the words to say what i was because mm-hmm. i didn't know about the term so seeing this, I think, was really important because it let me know that there was more 
gender expression than the binary man woman if that makes sense and yeah it's just it's a different point of view on black history yes the character of lola or simon is a fictional character but i think again that is important in british history that we need to look at yes woo uh, black history month is for the minority of colored people in the uk but it doesn't mean we can't include other minorities into that mix so yeah well yeah no i think i think this re- i think this film encapsulates an important time in a number of ways you you could have made this film and placed left emph- less emphasis on uh the 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 the, 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 the that particular element of the story you know you could have placed a great deal of emphasis solely on the economic history and the 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 local history and simply uh kept the uh the you could have kept the transvestite slash drag scene slash fetish wear scene You you could have kept that to one side yeah and, it, and and just had it kind of come in as necessary. But mm-hmm. instead, the film chooses to integrate all of this stuff together, not just because that's obviously what happened, but yeah. also because that interaction between these different levels is, is exactly the complexity of what we see here in Britain as daily life. Yes, it, it, it's you know that he ha- he goes from Northampton. Charlie Price, the lead character, played by the Australian actor Joel Edgerton. <gasps> no, it was brilliant. I thought it was I a fantastic it. performance. I did you know he was Australian, by the way? Uh, yes, but it was just okay. the how dare the the Australians come over and take our jobs? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> they were doing that all the time. Look at uh, what's the guy who plays the mentalist in the states. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, Simon, what's his name? But no, they've been doing it all the time, well, they, especially in America. They go to America and always put on an English accent. Well, anyway. Hugh Laurie. <laughs> Look at but, that example of a very good American actor. Oh, it's a fantastic, yeah. Um, but the thing is, I think, I think, I think, I think, uh, uh, you know, smaller films like this have to get, uh, they need actors from all over the place in order to get sold, get made and sold to get funded. Yes. Having Edgerton in there almost has certainly got them some sort of Aussie, oh, well, I'd like, I, I suspect probably got them some sort of Australian funding uh, and quite possibly got them distribution there. Um, either way, uh, Edgerton plays Charlie Price, this young guy who's uh, who, who ends up having to come back and take over the boot factory because his father passes away. We see his father at the beginning. We see that when he leaves Northampton to go to London with his girlfriend, it's because he's in marketing. Yes. Which is not given any respect by his father or the factory met workers on the, yeah. on the on the shop floor, and that's understandable. So when he comes back, it's quite a brave decision, but it also... There are multiple strands to this drama. One is the strand of him trying to deal with his father's legacy in the factory and the way the factory workers see him. Another mm-hmm. one is how this then affects his relationship with his fiancée. Mm-hmm. There is the... And then and that has implications for his interactions with other people at the factory. Yes. Um, there is, And then there is how he encounters uh, Lola when she's about to be attacked in the street by some, or potentially about to be attacked by some, she's being harassed, definitely, by three guys in the street one night, uh, and he uh, gets gets involved, uh, but ends up being smacked in the face himself. Um, (laughs) With uh, with a broken heel. 
with a broken heel from a boot, uh, which is where this all, uh, which is what sets everything off. Um, I th- so you've got all these strands, and I think they weave together effectively. I think they weave together well. Mm-hmm. I think there are some interesting subtleties. So, for example, one of the things that I think is interesting about the film is that you have the working class who are uh, you know the, the shoemakers the bootmakers the people on the factory floor yes aware that they're coming to a point in time where things are they may not be able to carry on doing a thing they love doing because mm. they craft- cope- they're craftsmen they are yes highly skilled people in a yes. very specific thing yes and you can see that from the quality of the shoes that are coming out they yes. are high quality shoes but the problem is is that in this in when the time that it in was based late 90s yeah yeah imports from other countries were starting to come in a lot cheaper a lot worse quality i would say as well that's when yes. we started getting like um, obviously i don't think this was a brand that might have been open at the time but i think it might have been open in ireland uh but primark the I buy quite a lot of my clothes from Primark because it's cheap and I like a lot of the styles and they actually cater to my size, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are not clothes to be... What's the correct word? Um, weared for long kind of thing. They are quick, Dis- dis- mm. disposable. Um Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, I've got plenty of tops that have lasted quite a few years, mm-hmm. but they're not made to last. They are very quick. It's, And then it's the difference between that and going to a tailor who mm. makes you something specific, and mm-hmm. that is made to last. That is made to, like, if you go get a suit. Mm. Uh, like um, I said to you a few days ago, we were watching Kingsman, so the mm. um, tailors from that is meant to be a very high quality a suit for life kind of thing and Mm. these are what these shoes are supposed to be they're supposed to be shoes for life they're supposed to be um it's the way things used to be made before the um before the philosophy of uh oh what's the word i'm looking for it's not disposable the philosophy of um planned obsolescence yes came in before this concept that and and they 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 encapsulate planned obsolescence in a single fantastically well written but brief conversation at the start of the film mm. where charlie's trying to sell a load of excess shoes that were left behind when his dad did fail to find a way to 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 sell them on when an order went because the company that was buying them collapsed the shop yeah. the chain and he he goes to see a friend uh, he goes to see a friend of his who is like himself the son of a previous you know, of somebody who owned a, a, a shoe chain, in this case, it's a shop, uh, and this guy's like, oh, no, you know, I, I'll t- I, 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 this, look what I'm getting here. Here's this shoe from Slovakia, and, and, and Charlie's character, the character of Charlie pulls it out and looks at it and says, this will wear out in no time, and then they'll have to buy another, and his friend goes, yeah, exactly. Yes. And and, and there you go, right there. Right, there you go, right there. You know, we're, the shift as we move from early mid-stage capitalism to late-stage capitalism, you know, yeah. right there. Well, I don't care that this thing is going to wear out and have to be binned and, and fill up a landfill because I get to sell more, you know. And Charlie's still interested in making quality goods that last for a lifetime. That's yes. said more than once in the film early on, and I think that's really, really important part of this of what this is about. You know, this is not about 
making uh, disposable, easily disposable goods. It's about making things that last. And so, on that note, I think uh, the film, in some ways, even though it's about the very, very tail end of the lot, the, the, the 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 things that were set up in the industrial revolution, mm. uh, social consequences, economic consequences. I think it's also about value systems because Lola doesn't just represent drag queens and uh, night and trans, tra- uh, yeah, certainly. Well, they're, they're because of when it's set and who's writing it, they're very careful not to get too far into that, yes, because it's a more complex issue and they are aware it's a more complex issue. I mean, when when you know, when 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 there's a confrontation late in the film between Lola and Charlie, and Charlie says some horrific things, things yes. that now are, are things that would have seemed unfair then but seem even more horrible now. Um, it's written so that you can tell that he's the one who's confused. Yes. Not Lola. Um, and I think that's really, really important um, yeah. because he thinks it's about transgenderism. Yes. When. Whereas I mean, Lola's made it clear it's not. Yeah. It's a. It for her, it's a confidence issue as well. It's. It, it's well. It's a whole it's, level. It's yeah. Lots of different things. Well, um, well, this is well, this is where, you, as you say, we're addressing it in Black History Month. We have one of the finest black actors we have in Britain, who's played so many roles in films, not just here in England, but mm. you know, all over. Um, you know, I mean, he's easily well known to the states as well. You know, he's worked with Denzel Washington more than once. You know. Um, Wonderful, wonderful actor. I think I but saw him in uh, Serenity. Was one of the as well. He as yeah. well. He plays the villain in the film. He's superb at that as well. Um, I've never seen a bad performance from this guy ever, mm. television or film. But the thing is that he here he he's playing a role that confronts and explores black masculinity yes. head on. There's a wonderful, again, a wonderful line that just happens to come out in the middle of a conversation where he says, my dad figured that if you were big and a boxer then as, and, as, and black, you were okay. Mm. And it's that, that there's that, that narrowing down to say that as a black man, you're only, the only way, you know, you, the acceptable vision is that you are strong and muscled and fit and capable of a sport. Yes. You know, he, you know, straight in in that single line, they encapsulate the socially acceptable black male, mm. and and then of course that and and then that is exploded by his very existence and his 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 decision to put Simon behind him and be Lola, yes. be his drag person persona, as often as he can be outside of the evening cabarets, yes. because he wants to be he feels more comfortable as that person and except that that is not that person that's who he is yeah and i think in the end the film isn't as you say you know he the film is very careful not to get too deep into the gender issues because it's not about that no. as a film and it, it's aware that it's not the place of this film to explore that it's the place of this film to see how that interacts with other people. I, I think it's very interesting that the aspiring, more middle class fiance can barely look him in the face. Yes. Whereas the more practical working class Lauren from the factory 
becomes not just his friend, but as I said, the dance between them is seductive in the extreme. Yeah, um, kind of besties as well. Yeah, they end up exactly. I, I think I, there's a very interesting aspect that I think is underexplored sometimes in British fictions of how uh, society, parts of society that people often assume are more conservative on sexual and gender issues are actually surprisingly more tolerant. You know, I love the way the landlady... Oh, I love her. (laughs) When Lola moves to Northampton to work as a designer on the boots and shoes for the the Price and and Co., um, he takes a a lodging, a room, you know, like like people used to do and I'm assuming still do, you know, in in, in various towns rather than use a Premier Inn or whatever. And... um, he, you know, the landlady's offering him tea and, and they're talking and he's had to, he, he didn't have his wig on and he's had to like shove his wig on really quickly. And they're in the middle of the conversation and she just stops and goes, I just need to ask you, are you a man? <laughs> and he goes, you can he see just, him you can... put his back up really quickly. Yeah. And he goes, yes, I am. And she goes, that's fine. I just needed to know so I know what to do with the toilet seat. <laughs> And then she goes, I'll go get some biscuits. And it's one of the, and it's just, it's just wonderful. And it's just the a look he gives himself in the mirror. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, I should have been more, you know, it, 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 the film is brilliant at these little intolerances that everyone has in different directions. Mm. You know, Lola is not just, uh, is not just trying to move things forward in the 21st century, but she's also still part of a, uh, 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 um, a, a, a London versus the rest of Britain divide. Yes. You know, when he, she says, oh, this is the North, and he's like, no, it's Northampton, we're the Midlands. And she goes, darling, Tottenham Court Road is the Midlands. <laughs> well, it's like, the discussion it's like so London-centric. Me and you were having a conversation before we started recording about where does the North begin? And it is actually a question that not a lot of people have an answer to, and including our government. Well, everyone's, yeah. <laughs> everyone's got an answer. It's just no one seems to agree on it. Yes. <laughs> Look, and the government, who knows what they think. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of the government, I think a lot of the current government would be the, say the same thing as Lola. Um, yes. Which is probably about the only thing they have in common with Lola. <laughs> oh, uh, Lola for Prime Minister. Oh, absolutely right. I would absolutely agree with you on that. Um, I, th- I think... So, so yeah, now the film encompasses all of these things, you know, the mm. region, the sort of regional conflict, the the economic shift, you know, um, the 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 social shifts, you know, it, it's it's incredibly, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it it's so compact. Yeah. So much happens in the course of the film, and things are dealt with so quickly and cleanly and effectively. Here's a line, and that line tells you everything you need to know. Here's a look, that look tells you everything you need to know. You know, yes. it's brilliantly directed. I mean, Julian Gerald is a director who uh, shot an amazing amount of television. I absolutely loved in the eighties and nineties, um, but uh, and more recently, I mean, he did he did one of the two uh, episodes of the Great Escape miniseries a few Christmases okay. ago. Um, but he'd also uh, did some amazing work in crime television in the 90s. And, and um, uh, I, I mean, he's a wonderful director, and I think it really shows here. But, but I also think the writers are very interesting, because Jeff Dean has, uh, is mostly known for soundtracks. Mm. And Tim Firth, the, uh, the other co-writer, he um, 
is very well known, funnily enough, for precisely this kind of film. Uh, he, a lot of his stuff is about um, places that are not in, lo- not London. Um, yeah. I mean, he started on Spitting Image. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then he worked his way up. But he, he started doing... He did. Uh, there was a series he did in the 90s called All Quiet on the Preston Front, which is about uh, a local branch of the Territorial Army <laughs> in oh, Preston. God. Uh, yeah, and 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 you know, it's, and and once upon a time in the north, he did, and he's just you know, you can see why he's the sort of guy to do something like Calendar Girls. Yeah. Um. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, it's just yeah, and uh, and then he wrote, wrote Kinky Boots as well, and then he all went off to like uh, he and both both of the writers ended up working in the states at different points. Mm. Uh, Jeff Dean has a credit for one of the songs on the Shrek soundtrack, for example. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so I'm assu- I'm assuming that a big part of his contribution to this script is the Lola scenes and the club scenes. Oh, which uh, are I think that amazing. would make sense. Tim Firth ended up writing Confessions of a Shopaholic, which was a a, a rom com, American rom com. It's um, a film I want to see, which again is based off a true story. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, but in a yeah. different way. Yeah, exactly. No, he seems blog. to have kind of a, a knack. I mean, he also wrote the um, TV special version of Madness's musical Our House. Oh, okay. It's really, the pair of them are really, you know, everybody who works on this film is really interesting in terms of everything else they've done, which explains why Kinky Boots itself is such an interesting film. Yes. It's put together by really talented, interesting people who know what they're doing, and it works brilliantly and effectively, and it comes together, and I, you, it, it has a very uplifting ending. It go, you, you go through all the hoops on the way, all the characters get some sort of there's something they get that they want yes e- even somebody who's treated a bit like a bad guy in this case is his fiance she there are two things she re- there's two things she really wants and she gets at least one of them so mm. you know she it's not it's it's not a a, a film that is um mean particularly towards no. characters uh you know the the conflict over masculinity that occurs between Lola and Don who is played by Nick Frost oh I love Nick Frost yes. also by the way if they ever make a biopic of your husband Nick Frost has to play <laughs> just yes. saying well he do, uh Nick Frost does have stuff from Gloucestershire as well cause of, yeah, um, yeah yeah you can see it yeah because oh god how have I forgotten his name oh my god Arr. He normally works with Nick Frost. Oh, uh, well, Edgar Wright, the director. Not Edgar Wright, uh, the actor. S- Simon Pegg. That's it. He's actually yeah. from Gloucestershire. So. Yes. yes, yes, they are. Yes. Uh, so yeah, no, I think I think um, that discu- that whole interaction between those two characters is genius. It's really well portrayed. It's really well put together. Um, it encapsulates, yeah. You know, a different version of this film would involve would ensure that Lola humiliates Don in order to make sure that Lola comes out on top. Yeah. And instead, we're shown that Lola is the better man, literally. Mm. And that, and instead of it being about Lola and Don, it becomes about Lola influencing Don to deal to deal with his own feel, his own views on Charlie. It becomes this kind of. It shows you that sometimes the way people change isn't necessarily back towards the person whom they're having the conflict with. Sometimes the change comes about in other ways. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that 
you and I are reviewing all these history films, and especially more modern history films, sometimes I think I think these things are more oversimplified than they yeah. need to be. There's the, 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 a lot, there's a lot of producers and writers who feel that they need to make sure that history is more like the standard patterns of um, drama in film and television because that's what people have got used to and they say, oh, this is what the audience expect. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think, no, I think we, or the audience, we, we do the audience a disservice. They live in the real world. Or at least we, I hope most of them do. <laughs> and um, in those in that world, things are more complicated. And I think Kinky Boots does an incredible job of capturing that greater complexity. Yes. Um, you can really see everyone kind of trying to work out how they now fit in this sort of progress. Yes. And, like, you can see a lot of the women come over to lower, lower size quite quickly. Very quickly. Especially Very when, quickly. Especially when Lola shows them the original boots that um, pro, uh, Prince Eric, is it Eric? Mm. Uh, he makes. And she's like, I've dis- um, inspired something burgundy. And then there's the red. Oh, that's so funny! That's so funny. It's, it's also it's also slightly sitcommy the way everything that happens in the office almost always ends up switching the mic on. Yes, which I think is quite funny. But well, she does you know, do it, it on purpose once. She's oh yeah, like doopy doopy doop, put the shoe down. No, absolutely right, and it's just one of those things where they figure out that the women are going to be more accepting because they recognize that Lola's made a choice. Yes. Simon has become becomes Lola for a reason and that that puts the Lola on you know they they see Lola and straight away they go he you know black and choosing to you know be in drag. Yeah. Full transvestitism I think in this case is is probably a fair explanation of what's going on. Uh, and and they go well, right? You that you're, you know, you're you're taking on. You've already got issues in life, and you're taking yes. on. You, you know, you're, you're taking on another issue that we understand. You know, uh, and they recognise that straight away. Um, but I also like the fact that sex is something that Charlie's very kind of not very good at. No. He's a t- <laughs> he, 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 you know, he, he's he's a typical guy of a certain type and a certain era. It's no surprise he's in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I find it really funny how once Lola's there, you realise that so many of these people around them in the factory are more sexual than they've had been able to let on in public. Yes. And you get wonderful, wonderful little nods. It's that it's that British saucy seaside humour thing. Yes. But it works so well because here it's about character. It's like, well, of course there's sex in people's lives because they have kids and they, you know, they, they're, they're people. They live together, you know. It's yeah. like, but it's that thing that they, there's a bawdy humour that exists on the shop floor that Charlie, because he grew up with his dad in the office, doesn't, you know, he, he's, he's, it's that weird thing where British factories were built with the class system visually in place. Yes. You know, it's you are literally above. Yeah, it's up the stairs. You're literally above them all, looking down, and it's and 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 so Charlie, 
you know, he's become middle class. He's been raised, sent to educate, educated, and, and sent and become a marketer. You know, mm. he's looking to. He's asp- he was aspiring to leave Northampton for the big, the, the big smoke, and now he's realizing the values that matter to him, and that those are values that's actually still based in Northampton. And one of those things is the realization that he may not be the same as the people on the shop floor in some ways, and he may they may not respect him in the same way. But he actually believes in the importance of a company providing a living for people. Yes. And I think there's also that important line that um, I think it's the foreman says is the fact of it's a lot easier to imagine these on my on Pat kind of That's the line I'm thinking of. That's literally the line I'm thinking of while I've been saying all of this is the foreman, you know, yeah, the moment where the foreman says, oh, it's a lot easier for me to write this. Yeah, I love that line because you're like, Oh, oh, okay. Um, he's, and, he's the yeah. one that comes up with the way of doing the shoes. Because he sees it as a technical yeah. problem, problem initially. Yeah. Initially, he just looks at the technical problem. And, and he goes, yeah. The, uh, I think she's a tea lady, simply, going, talking about uh, what high heels do for the sexual posture. Because yes. um, Lola yells, sex! Uh, oh, um, so funny, yes. And, um, like, the heel, and she's done starts, the uh, tea lady starts talking about how heels perp up the bottom, ready for mating. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god. And you can just see um, Prince just sort of wanting to go die in a corner. <laughs> well, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, this is half the fun of it. I mean, this, this is where I think some people might have... I'm not, you know, I don't know if everyone's going, this is everyone's cup of tea anymore. It's a bit broader in the humour than I think some people would like from a film yeah. like this. Um, and, I, and, and, and I think that has something to do with the sitcom roots of the writers. But I also think that that's actually completely and utterly appropriate for mm. the film. I think, I think sitcoms are sometimes one of the only places in British media where you've been able to see places that aren't London. That's and people who aren't middle class or upper class. I just realised uh, Lola wouldn't be my first introduction to a transgender or trans-like character. Uh, there was Haley in uh, Coronation Street, who yes, I think came on the scene when I was actually very very young, mm-hmm. and she quick she was a character you would have never guessed, mm-hmm. and then it came out slowly that she was that she was originally. Um, born male but decided her gender later in life and she's this quiet very meek woman and she helps run the cafe and no it's that kind of accepting thing as well so I think films like this and stuff like maybe Corrie and uh East um not EastEnders, uh, Emmerdale, yes. do show people's changing attitudes towards things and yes. do take a lot of comedy out of it. Like, again, in those two um, soaps, you do have them reacting to newcomers who mm-hmm. might be gay, but being very, like, oh, charming duck kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it is showing the progression of time and it's showing... Mm that the stereotypes we put on other people, like you were saying, like toward Lola and the um, landlady, 
there's stereotypes on both sides and mm-hmm. so these films and meat pieces of media are showing the come together of different communities which is something i believe strongly in about about so yeah yeah no i think you're absolutely right i think this is really important i mean um there, there was and i i wish i could remember his name right now but there was a labor mp who 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 famously was a massive massive fan of coronation street from because he was old enough to have seen it from the time it started yeah and back in i, I can't remember which anniversary was it the 70s or 80s when they did a documentary on it and he was featured in the interviews oh, and he was cool. talking about the fact sorry that's really cool. Yeah, he was talking about the fact that it was one of the only... It was literally what, the only show he remembered when he when it first came on that showed the world he knew. Mm. You know, Manchester and it's that... Or out Greater Manchester, that, you know, that part of the world in any shape or form. And he said, it in, he said it's one of the great uh, social dramas. I mean, obviously, like all the soaps ever since the 90s, they've all just gone, you know, Greek tragedy bananas. But... <laughs> There was a point. There was a there was a point when they were far more real. Yeah. You know, they were far more lifelike, and 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 that I mean that's long since gone. But uh, you know, I think I think I think you're absolutely right. I, I mean, it's interesting that there's one uh, the, the 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 lady who plays Laura and Sarah Jane Potts would go on to be in both Emmerdale as a regular and, and then Holby City. That's um, where I recognise her from. Uh, you know, there's a few others as well on the list who who yeah. end up going on. I mean, Joanna Scanlon's done you know regular dramas and things. I mean, these are the that, but that's what the thing. The, this film gives all of these people who are familiar either from TV before this or TV afterwards. It gives them a really interesting showcase to do something very, very specific in each mm. of the roles, and I think they do it brilliantly. Um, I mean, I just... Yeah, no, I I can't fault this film. So, given we are coming up towards the end of the episode, we have, I think, made more than a suitable case for um, this as a a film that can be treated as a piece of... uh, a dramatisation of a piece of British history. Mm -hmm. I think we've made more than a good case for it as a film that has a place in Black History Month. Yeah. Particularly British Black History Month. I think we've only delved into part of it there's so much more we could both say about yeah, this film when i think we might have to do some extras maybe like i think for a lot of people if you went up to them and said hey we're a history podcast we're going to review kinky boots they'd be like wait what isn't yes. that a musical kind of thing for most people now because yes. it is a yes. stage musical uh written by uh cindy lauper cindy mm. lauper yeah. Well, she's done the music, yes, yeah, absolutely. That's what, yeah. that's what I meant. But, um, I, but apparently the, the script writer of the film has still has the credit. Which is oh, cool. brilliant. Um, um, so I'm assuming he's worked on it, yeah. Yeah, so it's something I kind of do want to go see at some point. So Of course. Yes. Um, but you need to see Hamilton first. Yes. Because Hamilton's work, amazing. <laughs> we're trying to work it out. So. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I love Hamilton. <laughs> I know. I have been, done very well to shield myself from Hamilton spoilers. Apart from the fact that I know the history, but I've managed to kind of only hear snippets of songs and stuff, and seen like little scenes. So I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, it is getting more and more difficult. I mm-hmm. warn it. So I do need to see it soon. So mm-hmm. uh, that might be a real history day out. Possibly. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do a podcast on it, definitely. Yeah, um, so, yes, you were saying uh, people would find it strange if they heard we were doing this. Yeah, but I think it is interest. It 
I brought it up because it is interesting and it is a slice of British history and it's I think it's an important film now as well although yes. it people would say it's got problematic language and there is that one scene um which in 2005 would have come off as being inappropriate but now comes off as even stronger uh, because of how a lot of us are changing our views on transgender people and the LGBT community in general. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's an important film to watch. I think, again, it's like when we were talking about the language in films like Hidden Figures, like mm-hmm. uh, Glory, where there are some words that I personally feel very uncomfortable around. Um and also, again, going back to the Census 11 as well, um, it is very much the... We've got to remember, it is, although it is 2005, it is still made in a different era. Mm-hmm. And so we still need to treat it like that, even though it is um, trying to quickly do some mass. Well, let's say 15 years old. That is still a very different time period to what we are now. Mm-hmm. especially with the amount of things that have changed like during that time gay people could not get married mm-hmm. so and the fact of we've come so far since then is amazing so yes there we go <laughs> mm-hmm. so our usual trick uh trying to form some sort of rating how yes. much of it is 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 historical how much or, or could be uh, used in a historical context if you were trying to show someone something about the period it's based in how much of it is how much mm-hmm. of it's just so fictional that it might as well be fantasy <laughs> what what's your number i'm gonna say 20 percent because i'm gonna say it shows that era very well uh you see a lot of the giant computers and um non-smartphones which is wonderful to see um and it gets over the story but it's a falsified version of a true story uh the steve pateman actually said i was reading some news articles about it that um can him and the and Price character are two very different people. Like he was happily oh. married, and he was always the kind of person that would go to a fancy dress party and be like, mm-hmm. "What can I dress up to shock people?" Kind mm-hmm. of thing. So he probably would have gone in drag himself, but mm-hmm. obviously had very different connotations to it. Mm-hmm. Um, he is seen in a couple of interviews wearing the actual boots mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. comfortably, where. You mm-hmm. see um, the prince character. He is very uncomfortable wearing the boots. And you see that in the final scene. He can't really even walk in them. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... But I think it gets over the time period well. And I think it does... The nice thing is that it does open up these conversations about... One, where is the North? Um, to, mm-hmm. like the interaction between different communities um the dying uh industrial revolution mm-hmm. um the quality of goods and that disposability as well it for a silly british rom-com which it effectively is mm-hmm. it opens a lot of doors for mm-hmm. discussion so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. 
Okay, I'm going to be far more generous. I think you always I, are. <laughs> no, not always. I, I think I'll tell you why. I think so. I'm going to give it at least fifty percent, possibly sixty oh, okay. percent. I'll tell you why. I think you're absolutely right on every count, but I think that. First of all, Pateman acknowledges in in all the press and the interviews himself that he gave he didn't want it to be about just him. He was he felt it was better to have it be a fictional Charlie Price. Yes, he felt it was better for the drama, but it also That's meant that they didn't have to get into personal. Uh, yeah, they didn't have to. He, he it didn't have to be simply about his story. It meant they could open up the story to be about the factory, the shoes, the world. Yes. and I think that's very uh, generous way to look at licensing your personal story to filmmakers Mm. everything we've said today about what the film is about i think i think it nails a particular time and place in british history the when when lola is so thrilled to discover a particular kind of restaurant in northampton oh yes (laughs) right i have i know that feeling i remember that feeling of discovering certain kinds of places to go and eat and drink at when I was going to different parts of Britain, yeah? <laughs> I remember what that felt like as you started to see these things where the economics of the places are changing and shifting, yeah. but there's still these little things opening up that you take pleasure in because you're going, well, okay, fine, you know, I'm uh, things aren't this great here or there, but at least we've got this kind of thing. Um, yeah. And also because I think the 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 respect with which it treats the drag scene of the time mm. the the way the idea of putting it up front because of course the in the real story they didn't go to milan you know it's it's that's for for the drama of it yes. but again i like that they took the trouble to go and film it in milan to think about how these fashion shows work the value that they have in this industry um to think about the way what would happen if you put drag on the runway mm. which of course is nobody would blink an eye at now no they wouldn't uh so i think that's it i think that being able to open out the story to do that is mm. actually interesting because when you look at what runways and fashion shows look like now which are, i mean they're so spectacular now Yes, and are. you look at this version then, and you can see how much smaller it is, and all the rest of it. I, I, I just feel like there are details in the place, in the time and place that um, the film captures, partly because it's made shortly afterwards, and partly because it's trying to get across certain uh, certain uh, feelings for the audience, certain moments. I, I just think it does it so well that I, 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 I would be right now if it wasn't television that we were talking about, I would be hard-pressed to say to you, oh, there's a film that reminds me of what it was like to be in England in the late 90s. Mm. This film totally did it. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly since I was moving between Hull and Surrey quite a bit because of where my parents were and where I was working. So, again, that, you know what I mean? It it feels... It felt right in that sense. So I think think I'm going to give it 50%. 50%. So I'm at a fifth. You're at half. Do you want to meet in the middle and come to a third? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Okay, <laughs> actually, let's just push it up a tiny bit. We, is it okay if we say forty percent? Okay, rather That's than thirty-three, forty percent. 
Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so there we go, forty percent. So okay, we are almost done here, uh, oh, folks. This has been fun. I don't want to stop talking about kinky boots. Well, I know, but we will hopefully at some point record an extra and throw it up somewhere so people can find it. At the yes. moment, where can people find you, Jenna? Um, so I'm at Twitter at nadescokitty dot uh, com. I don't have a dot com. Uh, Twitter dot com. Uh, basically, uh, if you can't spell that, go to Bunkerzilla, look at my staff page and click on that. So you can okay. follow me on that. Excellent. And uh, you can find me at Hugh K. David on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can find my company, 48 Consultancy, on all of those as well. Uh, we will we are be, we'll be airing this on Thursday night at 9 o'clock on bunkerzilla.co.uk it will then go on to repeat for a week and then after that it will go on to Mixcloud Bunkerzilla have a page on Mixcloud and then later on we will offer uh, extras and uncut versions on Soundcloud once they've had their run on Bunker so that's where you can find us that's where you can find other episodes and listen to uh, more editions of Real History Um, in the meantime sorry and other shows Oh, of course, there's a ton of other shows that are worth listening to on Bunkerzilla. It's a great network. People should absolutely try out. There's something for everyone. Yes. Um, and I think it's, a, it's, yes, we're very proud to be hosted on this network. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little community of writers and stuff, I feel, as yes. well. And, of course, they can find your articles on there as well, Jenna. Yes. Jenna. So, yes, um, I just wrote uh, one on how much I love Ladybug, as in Miraculous Ladybug, for something completely different. So. Way! Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm starting to do film reviews again for them as well, so you can find our writings on Bunkerzilla. Uh, if you like what we do, Bunkerzilla has a coffee account. Uh, we've got, I've got individual, have you got a coffee account? I've got an yes. individual coffee account. Yes. So you can, you, can all, you can bung us all a coffee, and Yay. off we go from there. Okay? Uh, right, fantastic. Thank you very much, Jenna. Thank you very much, Hugh. And we will see you on another episode of Real History. Cheers, folks. Bye.